Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. You can find The Aside on SoundCloud, the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Android podcasting apps, and now Spotify. The next eight episodes of The Aside come from Drama Victoria's mini-conference 2019, Jumpstart, where Heidi Irvine is in conversation with Wesley Enoch about Indigenous perspectives through drama. These episodes were recorded at a live event, so the audio quality isn't as high as it usually is. This is part eight of the eight-part series. If you have not listened to the earlier parts of the conversation, I encourage you to go back and listen to those for context. Part eight of the series takes questions from the audience. So in our kind of, our plan was we're at this stage now where we thought it is maybe a, a good moment to open up if there are questions from the floor. We do have some more questions we can go through here, but I thought maybe it might be a pertinent moment for the last kind of 15 minutes or so to allow if anyone has a question that they'd like to ask or throw forward. So, yeah. And it's good. It's, it, questions are useful, I think, um, though sometimes you have to create context for a question, but let's not use this as a moment to go, oh, I need to talk about how bad it is for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well said. Thank Sorry. You. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, thank you so much. Um, when stolen was, I want to kind of come back to your, the notion of representation on the stage and her representation on the stage for we as drama teachers who also take our children to see theatre can be a critical point or a provocation for perhaps opening up discussion and then addressing Indigenous work. I see that. And I'm interested to know what your opinion is. For, for example. Uh, when Stolen was on the curriculum in Victoria for four years, 28,000 mm-hmm. young people saw that show. And it was absolutely, I know we're not, we were kind of talking about not laying, layering everything into one text, but the opportunity to see Australian story, Indigenous stories in the theatre, how do we work really cleverly here to make sure that on our playlists and on our curriculum, we have performed Indigenous work and do you mm-hmm. see that as a really great way of offering teachers opportunities yeah. to then engage with Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if anyone heard the question, but it was about Sorry. But the, the notion of, you know, um, uh, how to see these texts performed, not just studied. Yeah. And, and, and again, this is a goal thing, isn't it? If you say, like, I, I'm fascinated by the system in Victoria too, where the playlist comes out based on what people are doing as well. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a kind of chicken and egg kind of conversation oh, right. here. But, but Wesley, it's also subject to something called community standards. So, yeah. for example, Barbara and the Camp Dogs, which if you've seen Barbara and the Camp Dogs, it's an amazing cycle of learning. But but perhaps some of the content doesn't fit within understandings of what might be uh, community standards. Is that because of the what? Yeah. Well, whatever, whatever. Swearing and all that kind of stuff. There are, there are different ways of looking at it, but for yeah. example, how do we perhaps even think, how do we how, how do we get clever about and and collaborative about work mm. such as that? Yeah, look, it's difficult because I, I know being on the other side of that where, and as an artistic director of a company, you don't want to be told what to do, mm. but you go, you know, sometimes people need to be told what to do. <laughs> um, I, I don't have... A, a, an answer for that more than the sense of saying yes I think that if you see things performed if you if you see things modeled then it's easier to to refer to and to kind of learn from and all that kind of stuff 
And maybe this is the argument for, you know, what, what does uh, an Indigenous theatre company provide? You know, maybe this is a conversation with Olivia Pitchery. Or is it somewhere from Bolt House or, or, or Arts House or MTC? To, oh, MTC. Oh, my God. Someone has to deal with MTC. <laughs> no, but like, like there's, uh, there's great disappointment around the country about what, what MTC stands for and for artists and things like that. They're, 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 oh. <laughs> We're not being recorded. But there is a conversation at the moment what's called the Melbourne problem, where it, which is which seems to be, uh, again, fascination with form, fascination with marketplace, with audience, but not necessarily about telling stories that reflect us or kind of keep us up, or even really amazing artists like Patricia Cornelius, who just, you know, can't get staged on a regular basis, is the most, one of the most awarded playwrights living here in Melbourne. And it's some fascinating scenarios going on here. Um, and also how audiences are responding to that. The, the commercial structures in Melbourne are very interesting. But the point I think is about how do we get more indigenous works on the playlists and produced so that people can experience them, not just read them. It's like Shakespeare, isn't it? You just read Shakespeare, especially pass around you know the roles in a classroom. Seriously, put the movie on. You know, you know, but the idea of an active engagement in a work is always easier. Um, but, but I mean, it'd be interesting to say, what's the right number of indigenous works that should be in a city the size of Melbourne? And who, what is the audience number? Uh, I have not an answer for that, but I think that um, there's a big conversation around the National Indigenous Theatre Company at the moment. And part of that is creating a touring network to say that works that collectively in the country, there might be, I'm gonna say a dozen works of interest, but how often do they move around the country? Yeah. Yeah, that's the most, that's the rare thing. And a, a company like Obituary might do, um, let's say, one touring work every two or three years, uh, whereas Yuriakin, you know, they'll do two or three works that don't get the tour. How can we create more of a kind of uh, a sharing around the, the country? And it is who's sitting in those spaces as well for programming because from a perspective now of sitting where I do at an art centre where we're sort of at the, um, you know, the market end of something where we're picking and uh, deciding on works, we've got a really strong, I feel, um, we've made a really clear decision about making sure that there's representation of, of Indigenous programming, of, of diversity, um, and that's really important to us. But um, there are other organisations that don't have that prerogative for whatever reason that is yeah. because they're answerable to a council who's saying you need to make some more money mm -hmm. and you need to get people there so it, it's there's there's it, it's multi-layered and this conversation I think is, is and it's often at a board level I mean I think absolutely nothing against spreadsheet but I think that's often the the measure of success is is committed from a board level down and saying so you have to fulfill these goals to get where this is, but but ultimately you, know, you are a subsidised theatre company for a very good reason. You are here for the public good. How is the public receiving that good? Well, we had that conversation a number of times at QTC where we would talk about programs that we'd start where the engagement might be very small. Um, it might be two classes of young people, yeah. and then when we report that back uh, to the powers that be, 
it's always that question of oh you know a lot of that wasn't a, that wasn't a lot of people but you go okay there were 30 young people who were engaged with us over a year having a really um in a really invested mm. conversation and interaction and a participation with us and, and removing that and now side barring because i get really how the metrics how do you get yeah. how do you articulate the metrics to an organization like bolt house to say this is what the metrics of success are they're not just quantitative but they're qualitative and that the impact you can make and how do we kind of put that argument out there some more so the natural. Up the. Hi, um, I found there's a lot of resources for senior students in relation to doing Indigenous studies. Is there any advice on where you can get some resources for the younger years, more year seven, year eight? You don't see very often. Yeah. You want to give them a rich experience, mm -hmm. and the advice I've been given is about dream time stories and that sort of way. But how to do it in a way that is safe and respectful and maybe just some ideas and where you can get resources in terms of that. Weirdly, the, the biggest um, investment in Indigenous culture is in the tourism market. So it might be better not to look into arts and cultural funding, but look at tourism funding. So in terms of dance groups and workshops in that environment, yeah. uh, it may not be as directly relatable as, as we want to do in, in terms of a drama or theatre studies kind of environment, but the kind of cultural perspectives might be there. Um, especially in the dance group environment where you just go, tourism is, is because a lot of um, Indigenous funding is in instrumental, the idea of employment, uh, you know, employment or economic development and all that kind of stuff, it's not in the kind of arts and culture area. So it's worth having a look at that. Uh, and it'd be interesting without knowing the detail, whether um, museums are a, a good touchstone. I know the Bunjalaka here, I don't know what they're doing now since Carolyn's moved on, but whether in fact museums are a good touch point for uh, accessing those kind of, yeah, there's, um, especially that younger group. Yeah, there's a really great resource that we've used a number of times out at Frankston, which is called On the Edge of Creation, which is a book, uh, uh, it was a picture book created about Port Phillip Bay. And um, it's, I know that Baluk Arts, which is an organisation out in the morning, on the Mornington Peninsula, they have, uh, they sell it. Um, I think we sell it too at Frank's Health Centre. Um, <laughs> side plug. Um, but it, it comes with a really great and really d like deep resource. And I think that that's where that crossover happens between that sort yeah. of tourism world versus, yeah. So it might be worthwhile kind of looking out into those organisations. Excellent. God, I think you've booked to see shows. Her name is on everything. Last couple of years, so. That's what Murdoch is like. She's our patron. She's your patron too. Yeah, there's a big, big sculpture of her at the moment. Yeah. Yes. A she has a basket. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, me. Yep. Uh, thank you. I, I teach in a special school um, for students who have moderate, minor intellectual disabilities, <coughs> and of course we also have some indigenous kids. The mantra of people with disabilities is to say to the mainstream society, admit us, accept us. We're not exceptional, we're not different. We want to be embraced by you in <coughs> our culture. But then when we approach the indigenous kids about telling their stories and embracing their culture, they reject that invitation because it goes against the context in which they live, which says, we don't want to be special, we're not exceptional, treat us like everyone else, so we want to be treated like white folks. Is there a way I can get them past that? 
Yeah, um, well, my first response without knowing any of the situation, I'm sorry I can't, you know, I can only give my first proper face kind of, is how is, how are all the class dealing with it versus the individual, you know? Uh, like, is it something that the whole class has learned? Many Aboriginal folk, I mean, if you think about stolen generations, you think about intergenerational trauma and the notion too that many people grow up maybe like as pale as I am and going, you can pass for white, so don't take on all the part, the terrible things that, or, you know, or Indian, or you know, number of times you get in a cab and they start talking to you, and you go, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> not, 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 not Punjabi, just not Punjabi. <laughs> I have a cousin who I call um, the Punjabi princess, and she calls me my the Mumbai mama. <laughs> all that aside, th this notion of young people especially feeling the responsibility to know because they identify how important this is and that they don't have the cultural knowledge they may not have heard the story or it may have been kind of um, pushed down in their family or, or in fact their family might just be dealing with the the intellectual disability and saying look identity politics aside for a second let's just look after you and get you in the world and operating in a way that as you say you can fit in or uh, and so my experience is really about saying don't don't burden them with the responsibility of knowing or teaching or, or, or learning individually, but saying actually this is a whole the whole class is doing this because we think this is important, and not the kind of like and it's important for you too, but the sense of saying no we all think this is important and that the the, the subtle invitation is to um, give prestige to the knowledge that then they go, they might have access that they don't know or, but imagine saying the universal, um, okay, it'd be great for you all, if you all went home tonight and asked your, 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 your parents, your guardians, uh, for a story uh, of, of incredible significance to your family and bring that back. And you start to see then, not about the isolation of the indigenous story, but seeing it in the context of others. And again, it's you know little steps, isn't it? Yeah. Especially in an environment where you're talking there, where you're trying to keep everyone together and keep everyone strengthened. How do you say everyone's story is important? This and everyone's story is different. And that's kind of allowed as well. Thank you. Thank you. We might go one one more question, or should we should we wrap? <laughs> okay, I think. I think we're at a stage where we probably need to wrap up for the morning because I know that Fiona's got some bits and pieces before we head off. But um, this is a conversation that I know Drama Victoria is really passionate about and really committed to and already, you know, is showing the, the ways in which they're committed to continuing this conversation. And I'm certainly really, um, really proud to be able to associate with an organisation that does that. And I think that's really important and that's why... Um, these professional development places are, are really great. And I just want to acknowledge that um, any of these sorts of professional development organisations run on the power of the volunteers and people who give up their time to make those happen. So I just want to acknowledge Drum Victoria.
this collective bunch of people are about to kick that paralysis fair up the arse. Mumba, Mumba, Mumba And you know, you also talked, what I thought was really interesting, you talked about that 50 to 70 years away, that dream that, you know, one day we won't need to worry about things. And I think our kids now are gonna be the generation that changes that. So we need to yeah. give them the power to change that in the future. Um, so we're getting there, I think, really exciting and, and also a little plug for what we are doing with Drama Vic and for those people who've heard it already, I apologise for me going on about it again, um, <laughs> but we have developed um, a resource which is hopefully coming out to you all very soon, um, which is hopefully going to start making these changes um, and giving you power in the classroom to, to engage with um, this work, so stay tuned. <laughs> um, Thank you so much, Kate, and thank you so much. Well, that's the last episode in this series with Wesley Enoch and Heidi Irvine. There are a load of episodes in the bank, so please look through those and find one that piques your interest. You can find The Aside on SoundCloud, the Apple Podcasting app, Stitcher, Android Podcasting apps, and now Spotify. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a suggestion for a future episode, please do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. We answer a number of emails each week and are more than happy to help. Thank you to Drama Victoria for supporting this podcast. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. And of course, thank you for listening.